0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's good to see your faces as always. I hope your school year's off to a good start. I think it was a busy weekend with the school, with football and homecoming and everything. But it's good to see you this morning. It's good to be together. So let's pray. Jesus Christ the Lord. We thank you that you're sovereign over all things, Lord, and that we are in your hand. Lord, guide us into every next step that we take in our lives as a church. Lord, as you reveal your story in and through our lives, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love Star Wars. I do. Growing up, my older siblings were... Big Star Wars fans, and and so then, so was I. Um, And as we keep looking back at the Gospel of Luke, one of the reasons we went through all 24 chapters is to continue to root ourselves in that story of Jesus and to see how it connects to our lives. And I know that each of us have different stories, every day, there's different stories. And sometimes there's something on the horizon of our lives that we don't expect. And uh, one of my favorite quotes in Star Wars is when they find something they don't expect. They're flying along in their spaceship and they see a moon. And then the wise man in the ship goes, that's no moon. That's a space station (laughs) called the Death Star. Alright, and sometimes those kind of things sneak up in our lives, right? You're floating along and all of a sudden you start to size up what's ahead of you, and you go, That's a Death Star. <laughs> and yet, as the title of the first Star Wars movie ever made is called There's There's New Hope <laughs> for Every Day because of Jesus Christ through the gospel, and that hope connects into our lives, into every story. And we're going to be looking at these two verses today at the start of Acts. And the reason Acts gets his name is because the apostles go out and they go and continue doing the teachings and the actions of Jesus. It doesn't finish. It's not over. And I love that. I love that Jesus didn't just die on a cross for sin, that he arose again to new life to give church and us now new life. And I think a lot of times we hear messages of what to do, what to do, what to do. And that practical is good. And it's coming, all right? I keep thinking through sermon series stuff. That's coming. And yet, I think the connection is really important to remember why we do this. Remember how we're going to do this? I think that's really important. And so we're going to just walk through these two verses this morning. And we're going to highlight a couple sections. So the first highlight is that the introduction here clues us in that the same writer of this book is the one that wrote the Gospel of Luke. Because the Gospel of Luke starts out with this exact same thing. The Gospel of Luke starts out by saying, My friend Theophilus, I'm writing to you to give you an account of the things fulfilled among us. And goes in to explain what Jesus taught and what Jesus did. And then in the same way, he starts this book by saying, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. That is a great introduction. They didn't have multimedia 2,000 years ago. So if you wanted to have a big Star Wars emblem come out of the screen and then the scrolling text to say where we are and what epic stories unfolding, well, here it is, all right? And it's a sequel. It's a sequel, and it starts recapping the situation, right? Right? The situation is that Jesus, in the last story, in the first episode, he began something. Um, Now, I will take a moment here to mention that what Jesus began, some of it he did finish. And that is why in the cross he said, it is finished. The payment for sin is finished the victory over Satan, that big bad Death Star is finished. All right? But as Star Wars unfolds, there's, even though that Death Star is blown up, okay, and the tyranny is over, there's these remnants out there, and the rebellion still is part of the story of bringing the reign of God to the ends of the earth. So I don't want us to get confused as if Jesus is here with unfinished work saying, I guess I didn't accomplish as much as I wanted, okay? (laughs) I guess I didn't get what I needed done on my shift, so I'm going to pass it to the next guy. No, Jesus did and accomplished exactly what he set out to accomplish and exactly what we as the church needed him to do. But it doesn't end there. I remember the sequel for Star Wars was coming out, and I was so excited as a kid. I couldn't wait to see what was going to happen. It was Star Wars Episode 2, and as my brothers were getting married, it just so happened that there was a new Star Wars coming, movie coming out. So for my oldest brother, Episode 1 was coming out, and so he took me out, just him and I brother time, to go see Star Wars before his wedding. To do one last hurrah, you know? And then when my next brother was getting married, Episode 2 was coming out. He said, Rob, you want to go see Star Wars? Absolutely. And I was pumped. I was so excited to see what episode two was about. These are just made-up stories. We're living in episode two of what Jesus is doing. And I am excited to see what that's all about. You know, there's an episode three, too, called The Return of Jesus. Oh, man. That's going to be so exciting. Actually, next Sunday, I believe, is the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles begins shortly thereafter. It's the third and final Jewish feast that is yet to be fulfilled. The first one is the Feast of Passover. That was fulfilled when Jesus died on the cross. That was on Passover. The second feast is It's the Feast of Weeks. That gets fulfilled at Pentecost when the Spirit descends on the church and continues. There's an unfinished feast coming called Episode 3. And we don't know when or where or what day or what year, but we know that it's in production. (laughs) And we get those sneak peeks of production, right? There's those plot spoilers out there in Scripture that says God wins, Amen to that. And so now as a church, we're in episode two. And let's look at this guy, Theophilus. Okay, why, is he, why does he get to be in the Bible? Okay, How cool is that? He gets to be in the Bible. And why is he being told all of this? Luke is putting forth a lot of effort. What is going through Theophilus' mind? What is he being invited into? What's being asked of him? What is his response supposed to be to all this? And I believe it's to become part of the story. Say, Theophilus, this Jesus of Nazareth, who is now king of the universe, is asking you to be part of this. And I know when episode two came out, there was a 19-year-old named Christian, uh, Hayden Christensen, I think that's right. He was 19 at the time. He hadn't been in any big films just yet. And as the story goes, he found out he was going to be the next Darth Vader as a kid growing up as Star Wars. He found out he's, he got the role. He gets to be part of the sequel. And so I heard him share in an interview, he, came back to his dorm room, and they were probably throwing in a frozen pizza, he and his 19-year-old buddy. And he goes, guess who's the next Darth Vader? (laughs) He's like, no way, right? And so they grabbed some broomsticks and started playing lightsabers. He was pumped. He got to be part of this thing. To him, that was one of the best stories ever told, and he got to be part of it. And yet, again, that's a made-up story. This thing's real. This is the story that Theophilus is told, hey, you don't have to audition for it, okay? Jesus has done all that's needed for you to be part of this thing. You want in or not? And I think by the end of reading through Acts, Theophilus was probably in his heart saying, yeah, I want into that. Because the story of my life, by myself, being the author of my own story, I bet the opposite like, I'm done with that. I would rather have God write my story and be part of his sequel. And I think, I see the head nods right now. We all want to be part of God's story. Doesn't that take the pressure off a little bit when an almighty God gets to write the script? So that's something to think about today. If someone were to watch your life as if it was a film, what would they title that film? (laughs) And who would they guess produced that story? Do they see Jesus as film and director, or not? Regardless of how you answer that question, starting today, going to tomorrow, you can say, Jesus, I want to be part of your cast. I want you to produce in my life something beautiful. And it doesn't mean that that story won't have death stars on the horizon, but man, it'll be a good story. This next word is just my favorite. It makes you pause and think. He says, I wrote to you about everything Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, why didn't he say, I wrote to you about what Jesus did? Why does he say what Jesus started? One of the Gospels in Mark chapter 1, the very first verse says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So the first verse of Mark says, the beginning. Luke 2, also in chapter 3, he mentions that Jesus began his ministry. And yet at no point in Mark or in Luke does it say, Jesus stopped. At no point does it say, like our storybooks do, the end. The end page is missing. And so here it's telling us that what Jesus began to do and to teach is now what Jesus continues to do and to teach. Through his church, by the power of his Holy Spirit, Jesus is alive. There's no ending. The end of Acts, even, is not an ending. The gospel arrives to Rome, the center of the empire. And it says in the very last verse of Acts that they are boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about Jesus Christ. And no one is stopping them. That doesn't sound like an end to me. I remember being a 19-year-old, and I remember going to a pastor's conference along with my dad down in Ames, Iowa. I don't know if I got a week off of school or whatnot. I probably did. (laughs) I said, Dad, I'll go on the conference with you, and can I miss school? (laughs) So I go to this conference and I'm sitting with these pastors and they're discussing, uh, I think it was a study of Acts. And some of the pastors were part of a church network called Acts 29. And I flip open my Bible. I'm like, well, I'm going to follow along with what they're talking about here. And I get to Acts 28 and I turn the page and it's Romans chapter 1. I flip back, Acts 28. Romans chapter, where, where's this chapter we're discussing? And so I raised my hand and I said, look, I'm not trying to be difficult here, okay? And I know I'm, I'm one of the only here that's not a pastor, but I think I need to ask you a question. What chapter are we talking about? I thought that was a pretty fair question. And there was some laughter in the room, which uh, made me feel slightly small, <laughs> But I thought it was a good question, all right? I wanted to follow along in the Bible, and what they were talking about, I couldn't follow. Let me just mention, if you're ever with a group of pastors, (laughs) and you can't follow along in the Bible with what they're saying, please raise your hand and ask that question, okay? Because either they can explain where in the Scripture they really are, sometimes we get off track, or you can call them accountable and say, I'd like to hear what God has to say this morning. (laughs) So where in scripture is this? So I raised my hand. And they said, well, Acts 29 is our way of saying that Acts ends with a comma and not a period. And that we as the church are part of this thing. And that's why they were studying it so intently to figure out what is the trajectory that this is on? What can we learn from this? Because it tells us, what we're doing. Church is not just a place to learn about God. It's not just another podcast, right? It's not just another ministry of doing good things in the world. It's Not just another charity. God designed this thing. And I think it's worth asking, what is that design? What is it that he wants us to be part of? It's beautiful, Often it makes most sense to me when I see it lived out. It's one thing to get an outline on a piece of paper that says what the church is to be. It's another thing when you see it. When you see the incarnational word of God lived out. That's what's been most appealing to me. So I say, "Wow, that is beautiful." And as we continue through Acts and into the New Testament, there's four gospels, and then there's this link to 23 other books of the Bible in the New Testament, and they're connected. So this is what Jesus is continuing to do and to teach. And we can be part of that, and it's beautiful. And it's simple. For those people out here that are worn out and tired and busy, and you look at your calendar and you groan. I hope that this series and what follows helps simplify your life. Helps you to say no to stuff that's not part of God's story. Helps you to say yes to stuff that's simple and beautiful. Taking a Sabbath day's rest. That's part of the story. That's part of God's plan. Sounds good to me. I love my Sunday afternoon nap. All right? Following What God has laid out for us, it's good, right? It's not just following rules. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Church is good for people. (laughs) Rest is good for people. Simplicity is good. That's the vision of church I see in the scriptures. And that's something as elder boards, we're reading a book right now called Simple Church. They say, what? When it really boils down to it, what does it mean to do church? Sometimes we get a little caught up in tradition and we forget, what are we doing? What is this about? All right, let's continue on here. To do and to teach. This isn't new, actually. Back in Luke chapter 9 and 10, Jesus sent his disciples out, first the 12, then the 72. And he sends them out to go do and to teach the same things he's doing. And in those chapters, it says it four or five times. It says, go out and teach about, preach the kingdom of God, and go heal and take care of people. Do and teach. That's how he was training his disciples. Because that's what the church was going to be about later on. That's what we're to be about. To show through our words, through our actions, that Jesus reigns and that Jesus is alive next word I want to point out to you here is the word chosen. So Jesus goes to heaven, and then he chooses people to be part of this story. The first he chose were the disciples. At this point, there's 11 of them, and they gather after this. They gather in verses 12 through 15. They go a mile away from where Jesus ascends. They go to the upper room, and they gather together. Jesus chose them to continue this. In verse 15, it says that there was 120 of them that gathered together. The cast, right, is growing. Isn't that cool? And then later on in chapter 2, by the end of the chapter, it says 3,000 were added to the cast. It says that 3,000 believed and were baptized. Whoa, this, this thing's starting to be more than just 11 disciples, more than just what Jesus did. It's growing. We're in Hampton, Iowa. We're part of that number, are we not? I never saw an end, okay? We are Acts 29. This is continuing. We are part of this. We're part of this story. And I'll make a comment here that I really enjoy is that the writer of Luke and Acts he joins the story in acts chapter 16 the first verse or the first it mentions in the third person of what paul and this missionary party is doing and then in a seaport called troas it says and then we sailed from there the writer of all of this presents himself from then on out it's we We, we, he becomes part of that story and an important one. In 2 Timothy, Luke is said by Paul. 2 Timothy is one of the last letters Paul ever wrote in his jail cell in Rome. And he says, only Luke is with me. Don't you think Paul was glad that Luke joined the story to have a doctor and a physician traveling with him, this guy who was being shipwrecked three times and bitten by snakes and flogged, I bet Luke was his best buddy. <laughs> You're right? I mean, Paul is your classic, how did you get, how did you get into that again, Paul? <laughs> Luke's like, come over here, let me bandage you up again. Not only that, Luke ended up writing more of the New Testament than Paul even did when you look at the number of verses. Here's an unexpected guy in the seaport of Troas who becomes part of the story and plays a big role. Behind the scenes in a lot of ways, but a big role. I'll come back to that later on for the role we can each play, right? Let's go to this word Instructions says that the apostles were given instructions. What are you to do? Well, we looked at that last week. It all boils down to be witness. Okay? Witness Jesus first. All right? That's a noun. When you're a witness of something, it's a noun. It means you were actually there and you actually saw. And then it becomes a verb. Go tell people about me everywhere. That becomes the verb. Tell people what you've seen. Let it be authentic and real. And that is the instructions of the church when all boils down to it. The end of Matthew gives the Great Commission. It says it in some different terms. It says, go make disciples, okay? Go and make disciples. These disciples are to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're to be taught everything that Jesus commanded. So Luke picks up this theme, witness, Matthew picks up this theme, Disciple, the way that these disciples are following Jesus. Continue that, okay? Add to that number of 11, 12, 120, 3,000, to the ends of the earth, to Hampton, Iowa. Jesus knew it would come here. And it still needs to keep going. There's peoples and nations that have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ after 2,000 years. And how much longer do they have to wait a sermon for another time. Lastly here, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's actually Jesus doing this thing. It's through the power of God that this is happening. Romans fifteen eighteen, Paul says that it's Christ who's accomplished this through him. And everything, Paul says, by everything I've said and done, it is Christ who has been accomplishing this through me. That's Paul's secret for being part of the story. Is that it's through Christ in him. in everything he's said and done, that he has been able to do this. Colossians 1.29, Paul also, he says, That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Again, this could be a whole other sermon series, but relying on the power of the Holy Spirit and God in our lives to have this all work and happen. But when these pieces are in place, it is unstoppable. Persecution spreads it like an oil fire. It just keeps spreading. It cannot stop. Any death star over the horizon is just another chance for God to share his glory And let people know who he is. And so, in closing here, as we look at the Acts of the Apostles, as it's been historically called, remember that this is the continued Acts of Jesus Christ. That what he began to do and to teach is continued through your life and through my life. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's quite humbling. Like Paul, when he first, or uh, Peter, when he first encountered Jesus, Jesus said, Come, follow me, be part of my story. Peter fell on his knees and said, Away from me, I am a sinful man. And little did Peter know that was exactly the right answer, (laughs) right? A man or woman on their knees with a broken and contrite spirit, God can use. The one that says, hey, Lord, uh, I'm ready. I know you need me. I'm right here. That doesn't work so well, all right? Peter tries that on later when he says, oh, I'll never deny you, Jesus. Well, that arrogance is the pride before the fall. It's that daily surrender to be part of what Jesus has continued to do. I think Theophilus was amazed when he heard he could be part of the story. I think Luke was amazed that he got to be part of the story, to be the largest contributing author of the New Testament, to heal the wounds of Paul as Paul went along. And he's just some guy from Troas. I bet none of us know where that is. (laughs) And yet God put him into his story to the point that we're talking about him today. I am still humbled that God chose me to be part of his story. And when I feel too much weight of that, I remember, God, this isn't something I'm beginning to do. (laughs) This is something you're continuing to do. And I got to be part of it. Thank you, God. That lightens the load a little bit to remember that Jesus through his spirit is the producer and director of the church the producer and director of each of our lives and again as you see the tank full of water we're going to hear three more testimonies of people that have joined the cast and I hope you celebrate with them as they share their story how they've surrendered their story to God. Let's pray. Lord, what you have done is so beautiful and it's humbling. I have a simple prayer, which is that each person here finds their place in your story. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.